Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine in these last days. Join Pastor Moses for today's message. So today, I tell you what, I would like to bring to us a reminder word. Come on. Sunday last week, or just Sunday, two days ago, we were talking about the ministry of remembrance. Um, I've got to listen to that message again. I've also just listened to the highlight video that's just been put together that we're going to be putting out on Instagram uh, for because our friends and followers on Instagram have not been enjoying as much love lately uh, because a lot of what we're putting out, we put out live on YouTube and on Facebook, uh, but Instagram's been, you know, lagging behind a little bit. And so we've just put together efforts. Uh, we've just concluded on efforts uh, this week to ensure that Instagram is getting all the live updates as almost live getting all the updates almost live so like this broadcast by the grace of god within a day or two should be on instagram and then you can watch the highlight um so um yeah so if you know people who are just instagram faithful they don't want to come to facebook they don't even know youtube exists it's okay why don't you let them know now that we're going to be bringing more content to them on instagram and beyond social media as we know it we have our podcast going live this week. Are you excited? I am excited. We've been testing it. Um, uh, Will and Chris have been working on it. I've been doing the testing myself, my my son Joshua, and even Brother Lawrence. We've been listening to the, the podcast that I've been put up so far, just making sure everything is uh, nice and dandy. And I tell you what, it is beyond nice and dandy. It has been just an amazing experience. So for you folks who want to listen as you drive along and who just wants to listen while you're out on your porch or you're going for a walk, um, now you can. Now you can. And so you go on Inst on, on Spotify and search for Communion House. You will find us there. Uh, but more than beyond Spotify, we're going to be on Google Podcast and we're also going to be on iTunes Podcast. In fact, we already are. And so the official launch and release is going to be coming this week. We're going to have you duly notified with instructions as needed on how to make the most and how to enjoy all of what uh, we've put together for you there on podcasts, on these podcast platforms. Again, uh, what a gift. I, to be honest with you, Chris and, and, and Will, I know that you may not have thought about this as a gift, but to me, I'm receiving this launch as a gift to mark our second year anniversary. Alrighty. So it's exciting to now know that we don't have to sit down somewhere and just be glued to the phone or glued to our TV screens. We can continue to hear the word. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And what better word to hear these days than messages that are inspired by the Holy Spirit with a prophetic utterance alerting us of where reminding us of what we have been through confirming to us where we're at and also alerting us of where we're going you see because at the end of the day we need to know we need to know all of these things we need to walk circumspect we need to walk being mindful of these things not ignoring or not um what's the word not ignoring any signs and not misreading any of the sim of the of the signs of our times we need to recognize them we need to appropriate them because they bring vitality to our soul they bring strength and vigor to us when we know where we're at and when we know what is going on you see because to not know what the spirit is saying unto the churches is to be left to the mercy if you could say that of what the world is putting out there and the words of men that are 
uh, that are being said as an oracle of God and in witness to the word of God can be t- can be tiring, can can sap your energy, can be draining. Yeah, that's the word that I'm looking for. But when you hear the word of God, the Bible says that it is cold water to a thirsty soul because it is good news. Good news is cold water to a thirsty soul. And that is the reason why we're so committed to the ministry of the word and prayer. So committed to ensuring that that which the Lord is saying unto the churches, we are faithfully disseminating through all of these many avenues. So are you watching this on YouTube today and have yet to subscribe? Why don't you hit that subscribe button right away so that you don't miss out on any of the content that we're putting out. And also hit the bell button so you can get the notification as and when do because you want to catch it while it is hot. Praise the Lord. Alrighty, God is good. So today I'm going to be reading to us from the book of Acts. I will be reading to us on the book of Acts because um, I know there are people that came along the way and some who have even started following us or following, I mean, who have just come to know about Communion House in, in recent times. And you may not have heard me say all of those things of, of, of the vision for Communion House. You know, you, you know the tagline, we're raised for the rebirth of the early church. And so today I want to bring to us a reminder word of what it really means to have a rebirth or what is true and genuine revival. Again, today I want to speak on what is true revival. Many months ago, maybe might have even been about actually over a year ago, if not two, I preached a sermon uh, that is titled, What is True Revival? Simply because the Bible says we have not because we ask not. And then when we even ask, we ask amiss to consume it upon our own lusts. So it is possible for us to be asking for revival and be asking amiss. You ask your average believer who is asking and believing God for revival, what revival really is? And you will get a thousand answers if you asked a hundred people. You would get a thousand answers if you asked but a hundred people. Simply because it's just become like a buzzword. Oh, revival, revival, revival. There are so many events that have happened in the body of Christ that people have called revival, which aren't necessarily revival by the standard of the word of God. And so how does the Bible define revival? What is revival? You know, revival is to bring back to life something that was, that is no longer as vibrant. And so if we're singing revival, that means there is something that we have seen that we want to see again. You know, you look at the prophecy of Ezekiel. Ezekiel prophesied to the dry bones to, to live again. Now, they were revived. That is revival simply because those people that were in the valley, the bones in the valley was once or once was an army. And then it needed to be an army again. And so that is revival. Now, if, the, if, if Ezekiel had spoken to the dry bones to rise up and now become entertainers, now that is not revival, that is repurposing. So you can repurpose a thing, but we're not talking about repurposing or we're not talking about recycling. Yeah, let's use that word recycling. You see, so you have bones in the valley and the man of God was asked to prophesy to the dry bones so that they can come to life. Now, if those dry bones rose up and now started running a circus, putting up shows everywhere. Now, that is not revival. That is recycling or that is uh, what you might call, um, um, I don't know, reassignment, you know, but it's not revival. Revival is to 
revive. The word re, of course, we know what it means to bring back again. And vive is from viva, vivacious. It talks about life. You see what I mean? And so to bring to life again is what revival means. And so if we're anticipating revival, then we need to have a good understanding of what revival means by understanding what it was. What do we need to see again that we have once seen? What do we need to see again? And so we need to look at it. You see what I mean? So many things that we are calling revival today aren't necessarily revival. Because if revival is all about the fun and the excitement and the emotional um, uh, frenzy that we get to experience in tents and in tabernacles of believers, then that is not revival. Simply because what we should be aspiring to is seeing the words of Jesus come to pass. Who says as it was, so shall it be. And so as it was in the beginning, so shall it be. And how was it in the beginning? In the beginning, the church, the body of Christ, the ecclesia, they were not just about having tent meetings after tent meetings wherein they just have all the fun in there and when they go out you can no longer you and they go to the marketplace you cannot tell the difference between someone who's been at the revival and the one who hasn't because that person who's been going to revival meetings every week for hundred for a hundred weeks and you see them today they are still as afraid as what the enemy is doing in the world as the unbeliever who's never professed the name of jesus you find people who have attended one revival meeting after another revival meeting but when you look when you look at them they aren't bearing fruits that are worthy of of, of a believer almost every decision they make in their lives is based on guesses and at best facts that are presented to them by men you don't see a clear indication that they actually hear the voice of god in fact you see people and they keep saying things like well oh that revival meeting was amazing it's great i think this is what god is doing but i'm not sure you know you, you know you just never know no 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 you know and you should know for the bible says that we have an unction from the holy one and we know all things and so when we have seen things like that we cannot say that is revival because that is not mimicking or that is not the restoration i should say of anything that we have seen in the word of god that is worthy of emulation so let's go together folks to the book of acts and let's see what it looked like in the beginning guess what jesus when he was taken up into the heavens, when he ascended into the heavens, which was kind of like the second time that he was being lifted up. You know, the first time that he was raised from the dead, they couldn't touch him because he said he hadn't gone to the father. And so he went to the father and came back and they could touch him. And he hung out with them for a couple of days. And then when he was going back again, the angels of the Lord said to the apostles, while they were yet continuing to gaze at the light that took him up, you know, they were looking at the vessel that took him. And, you know, of course the light was getting smaller and smaller and smaller as he was getting, as he was taken away from them. And, and, and the disciples just wanted to just stay there and just continue to ab admire the beauty of his ascension. But the angel said to them, two men in glistening white clothing said to them, they said, oh, men of Galilee, the same way that you have seen him taken away from you today is the same way that he will be seen when he returns. So we know that there is this trend of things in the Bible wherein things are the way things end the way they begin. Okay, things end the way they begin. I'll give you two instances 
of things that began in the Bible a certain way and ended the same way. Alrighty. The world itself, when it was formed, where did it come from? The earth came from the water. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was or became without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep talking about the water and God said let there be and there was let there be light and there was light and he also said let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters separating the waters from the waters and from the waters below he called forth land he says let dry land appear and the gathering of the dry land together the crust of it was called the earth and so the earth was called out of water and that was the beginning of the earth now when and the earth was to experience an end which subsequently meant a new beginning what happened the earth was once again covered with a flood of water to indicate to indicate how it began so its end was as it began it began by being underwater it ended by being underwater and when the new beginning came for the earth we saw how God introduced a new beginning. And what was the new beginning that the Lord introduced? He introduced a new beginning that gave that gives us an indication of what will happen in the end. And what was the new beginning that God gave to us? The new beginning that God gave to us was he said to Noah, why don't you lift up your eyes and see? I have put a rainbow in the skies. He's put a rainbow in the skies. And the rainbow that God put in the sky was to let them know that he has established a new beginning so that the next time the world ends, it will no longer be by water because this time around it was beginning by the spirit. What do I mean by the spirit? Because the Bible didn't say by the spirit, it says by the rainbow. Yeah, what is the rainbow? The rainbow is essentially, we know, you know, science or physics, genuine physics, not atheistic physics that teaches things that we cannot confirm or verify, but I'm talking about physics that we can, we can observe, we can experiment with, we can repeat. Now that's science, okay? Science is whatever you can repeat and observe. Okay, so if anybody's telling you things that you cannot practicalize in the lab, that you cannot test, that you cannot consistently reproduce and, and, and draw inferences by observation, it is not science. Let me say that because some of a lot of the things that we have in our textbooks today, they are not science, but they are lies and or, or they are doctrines and teachings from the kingdom of hell to continue to lead men astray and lead men farther and farther away from the word of God. A lot of those pastors now who say that Genesis chapter one and two, even up to three is myth and legend, but not actually what happened. They got confused and deceived by the textbooks that they have read and the lies that men have told about the Big Bang and about evolution. Okay. So it's very important for us to know that if we cannot observe it, let us just forget it. The Bible says that the wonders of the workings of the hands of God have been laid open under the heavens that the eyes of men may behold the beauty thereof. If your eye cannot behold it, if it is not what you're seeing, if somebody's just telling you it exists somewhere, it is, it is false doctrine. We know the Bible says in the last days that they would take that which is not, um, uh, the, that, that which is not knowledge will be called knowledge. So there are things that have been sold to us as knowledge that isn't knowledge. Anyway, coming back to the way things happen at the recreation of the earth, when the Lord put a rainbow in the heavens, a rainbow is essentially a display of the Spirit of God. There are seven spirits of God. So when you have the Spirit of God itself, the, the Spirit of God has seven different expressions. And that's why you have the seven golden lamp, the seven uh, candlesticks, the golden lampstand, and you have 
it said clearly in the Bible that there are seven spirits of God. And, and, and I think I've actually taught about the seven spirits of God. I've mentioned it in a lot of my teachings and, and maybe one of these days we'll just get into it again and teach about the seven spirits of God that we may be made, that we may, you know, get to be, um, better equipped to see the hand and the working of God by knowing when his spirit is in operation. So when you take light and you pass light through a glass prism, it gets divided into seven different colors. Those seven component colors, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Yeah, those are the seven lights, uh, seven colors that make up light. And so what God was essentially doing was putting his spirit out there as the beginning of the new creation. And so when the end comes, what we're going to see is the outpouring of the spirit of God upon the earth as the spirit of the Lord moved over the face of the waters. As the spirit of the Lord was put in there with a commitment by God to say, no longer will I destroy the earth by water because that beginning and that end is not done away with. This is a new beginning and this is a new end. So you see that as it began, so that was the way that it ended. Now, the second example, which is an example that affects you and me more critically is how the church began. The church began by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that resulted into the boldness of the apostles to preach the gospel, to stand on the ground of the word of God and declare the glorious gospel against all opposition of the time. A church that was present not with sentiments, a church that was present not by gimmickry, a church that wasn't a mirror reflection what the world was doing, but a church that was genuinely present with power and light into the world. And so when we see that that was the way the church began, then we can only expect that when the end comes, we must see once again such spirit of boldness or such boldness as evidence of the Holy Spirit's outpouring in the lives of believers who, who will go on to speak the truth of the word of God as the fire was coming out of their mouths. You will see believers that are not allowing themselves to be enslaved by the world, but believers who recognize that as true sons of the most high God, we have been set free and whom the son sets free is free indeed. We don't have to be in servitude to any ideology. We don't have to be servitude to the oppression of men's opinions because we have been made free to testify of the goodness of God and to speak the truth always without any reserve. Speaking the truth in love without any reserve. And so folks, this is what this message is about. It's about taking us back to see some of the rudiments of the early church as it was in the book of Acts. And so Jesus was taken up and the angel said, as you've seen him taken up, it's the same way that he, you will see him when he returns. And so when Jesus was taken up, the angel spoke, and then the apostles went into the upper room and waited for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. And the power of the Holy Spirit came, and they had the boldness to speak, and there was opposition, and they asked for the Holy Spirit again, and they received more boldness with which to work miracle signs and wonders. Now that is the process. It's a seven-step process. Now, we're going to reverse pretty much those same steps, which is we will, first of all, have to uh, the operation in and the demonstration of power by the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to be together in one accord and in one place. And then we're going to have angelic visitations that will give us very clear insight into his coming so that the time that he comes, we will not only look up at the sounding of the trumpets because that is for the world. But we will look up even before the trumpet sounds because we will look up at the one 
warnings of the angels of the Lord because they said the same way you saw him is the same way you will see him and so we will have that we will have lots and lots of angelic visitations as it's closer and closer to the second coming of the Lord and that is the reason why the day of the Lord will come upon the world as a thief in the night but it will not come upon you because we would have had sufficient um, experiences that align and tie and tally with the experiences of the early church. Alrighty. And I hope that helps somebody in their Bible study. I hope that helps somebody in better understanding the signs of the times that we're in. I hope that helps somebody in, in, you know, to go back to the word of God, to search the scriptures and look at the order of things, because that is what is going to happen again. God has said it. He's made a commitment to consistently deliver it the way he did it before. He says so that we're not without, so that we are without excuse. God does not want a situation wherein, you know, he does it in a different way. And we're like, well, we're sorry. We want expecting that you decided to spring a surprise on us but guess who's surprised now you because we're not ready <laughs> you see god says that we are without excuse and so he's not going to let you have that excuse to say that well i didn't know no we do know he's giving us the opportunity to have seen it before so that when it comes it doesn't catch us unawares so that when it comes it doesn't catch us unprepared we need to be prepared we need to know exactly that first of all we need to believe that he is coming so that's very fundamental. We need to believe that he is coming because some of the doctrines of, of, of demons that is going into the world today is that the world on its own is just going to evolve into something else. That through this process of having the new world order, after a while, science is going to advance to the point wherein we will no longer die. We're going to live for a thousand years and the actual millennium, millennia reign with the Lord Jesus is going to be by virtue of our technological advancements and wherein we're going to be able to be more, um, what's what's it called we're going to be more um, efficient in our decision making so that we can then attain that which was said that this mind let it be in you which was also in Christ Jesus because we're going to have such an evolution of our mind through our advancements in science and technology that is all lies 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 okay all of that is not true you will not find that in the word of God. The word of God says he is coming back for his church and the saints will be caught up to meet him in the skies because he was caught up to the heavens and received his glorified body and came back in that resurrected body. And so that is exactly what's going to happen. We will be caught up and we're going to come back in our resurrected bodies. The reason why we will not die is not because technology will advance. The Bible says that death will be bound up being the last enemy. Read the word of God. These things have been Prophesied. And the reason why the enemy is spending so much money through movies that have been made, books that are written, documentaries that have been put out, even what is being said in the news is because the devil wants to completely fill us with fiction so that there's no room for the truth. It is called lesser magic. The devil puts in front of you the truth and presents it as fiction so that when you're fully loaded with fiction, then you don't have room to actually receive the truth as the truth. Let us wake up, folks, and not be deceived. We will truly be caught up to meet him in the skies. We will be caught up to meet with him in the skies, and we're going to be transformed. We're going to be glorified. The Bible says when we see him, we will be transformed to be like him, and it's only, it's actually going to be more like a transmogrification, because it will happen in an instant when we're caught up at the sounding of the trumpets to join him in the blue skies. Alrighty, so there we have it, folks. We know that these things are going to happen the same way that they have been prophesied. But what are the things that we would experience before they happen, before he comes? 
the things that we will experience before he comes are the things that the apostles experienced after he left. He left miracle signs and wonders under the administration of the Holy Spirit. Before he comes back, miracle signs and wonders, yet again under the administration of the Holy Spirit. So the revival to expect is the experience of the early church. The revival to expect is exactly what the early church expected. And so what I've been describing so far for the most part is in Acts chapter 1, when the angels of the Lord appear to the folks. And then let's go very quickly to Acts chapter 2. I want to read to us about five or six verses from Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to go very quickly to Acts chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. And then we're going to stop there for today, because I don't think we'd have any more time to go beyond chapter 5. But I may mention certain things beyond chapter 5 that the Lord's been putting on my heart a lot lately about the things that we're going to experience. In fact, let's do this. How much time do we have left? Oh, we have plenty. We have 21 minutes. So let's do this very quickly. There are no coincidences in this life. And there are no accidents. The Bible says that the things that we see on earth are a function of the things that we do not see. The things that we see in the natural are exactly a reflection of the things that have happened in the spirit. And so when you hear things like coronavirus, corona means crown. And when you look at it in reality, it looks like the prince or the god of the new world is being crowned right now because we are seeing all around us sufficient changes to know that the new world order has begun. People talk about it, they call it all kinds of things. Yeah, but the new world order is here. And am I as a believer supposed to be afraid of the new world order? No, I'm just supposed to look the other way. And what I mean by looking the other way is whenever the enemy is doing something here, it is because God has already done something there. Because the devil does not create anything on his own. He mimics what God is doing. He copies and profanes and, and, and twists what God is doing. Because no one has the capacity to create other than the Almighty through the agency of his word. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Verse 3, By him all things were made. And there was nothing made that was made without him. Nothing was ever made without the word of God. And so when you see a new world order that is being created to actually have more control over the lives of men, to strategically position the societies and the economies of this world and the environment of this planet for the, infil for the, for the reign of the Antichrist, when you see that being put in place and being set into motion, see, one thing that you need to know is that it is not just an advantage of the enemy exclusively, it is actually more an advantage of the believer in getting ready for the coming of the Christ. Because the reason why the Antichrist is coming is because of the fact that Christ is coming back. And so this is the enemy again trying to mimic what God is, God has promised for his people. All right. And so when you see things like the coronavirus, which is happening now at the time and is becoming an instrument that is facilitating or speeding up as, as it is the new world order, then you need to pay attention to where that name came from. And I don't believe that the name is just because of the shape of the virus. And if it's because of the shape of the virus exclusively, then it's okay. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says that from the visible elements of this world, we have an understanding of the invisible attributes of God and of eternity. And so if it is by the shape 
or not, one thing that we do know is that there is a crowning going on. And that crowning that is going on is not just the crowning of an antichrist system of government in this world, but it is also the crowning of the believer with authority that is going to be made manifest through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember that this is the year 2020. It is balanced. There is 20 here and there is 20 there. So there is power that is given to the serpent, as Jesus said in Matthew 24, as John the Beloved saw in Revelation 13, that power was given to that serpent, that dragon of hold to deceive the nations through his false prophets and teachers, false prophets and teachers. And so the way you have the two spirits of deception, which is the spirit of false teaching and the spirit of false prophecy. So it's the same way you see in Revelations chapter 11, where the Bible describes that power was also given to the ecclesia, to the witnesses, to the body of Christ, to prophesy and to witness in the spirit of the two witnesses, which are referred to as the two olive trees that are in the presence of God and the two golden lampstands. Now, if all those things are sounding like mystery to you, come through our YouTube videos. I have taught quite, quite extensively on the spirit of the witnesses. But I say these things because well ahead of all of what we're experiencing now is the, is, is the word of God that came to us. And forgive me today, we may go a little bit over time, but I believe this is good stuff that is going to be worth our while. Ahead of time, at the beginning of the year, when we had our watch night service, December 31st, I knew what God had already shown to me and I was so eager to share it with the people. And by the time I shared it, a lot of, I mean, some of the folks that were present did come to say to me that, yes, of course, they, they know that that is what the spirit is saying to the churches. And what was that? That the year 2020 will be the year of power. I was excited about it at first, but then after a while, I thought to myself, I was like, wait a minute. I'm excited that it's the year 2020, but I'm no longer, I'm not supposed to, I'm no longer a babe at that level in the things of Christ to just be excited without knowing the why behind the what. And so I was like, okay, I had a conversation about it with Holy Spirit. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad you revealed to me that it is the year of power. But why power? And he took me to the book of Acts and he showed me the apostles moving in power. And I was getting even more excited. I'm like, come on, Holy Spirit. We're going to experience that kind of power. And then he asked me, he said, well, do you know why? I said, well, I don't. That's why I'm wondering, you know, because at first I was like, why the year of power? And you've shown me now that it is so that we can be uh, better uh, positioned to move as the apostles moved, genuinely experiencing revival and the rebirth of the early church. But then God could have done it in so many other ways. Why power? And the Holy Spirit made me to realize, and this is where my excitement wasn't as much anymore, at least initially, until I became a bit more comfortable with the concept. And it said to me that heaven gives out that which is needed. God is not into redundancy. I mean, there are redundancies in life for effectiveness and for consistency, but these redundancies are not excesses that bring about waste. Right? You see what I mean? So it is just what is enough. And so the Holy Spirit said to me, if heaven is giving out power, it's because power will be required. And I was like, um, what does that mean? And he said to me, the apostles got power because they needed power. Remember how oppressed they were after Jesus was taken away from them. All of the aggression that people had tried to take out on Jesus that didn't end at the cross 
was waiting for the disciples because after Jesus was nailed to the cross, they had to go into hiding because people were like, oh, before they come and say that their master has been raised from the dead, we need to shut them down. We need to do this and do that. And, and all of that was going on. And so these people were being shut down and been put out. And so in order for them to survive, the opposition of the day, they needed the kind of power that came down on the day of Pentecost. The power that came down on the day of Pentecost was the power that brought them out from their hiding. That was Acts chapter 2. But then the one that came in Acts chapter 4 was the one that put the world in its place. There are two different things. And if we don't get to, to, get to it today, we'll get to it another day. But this is something that is very critical for us to recognize that this is the year of power where power is being given to the witnesses, which is you and I, because Jesus says, you shall be my witnesses. And so the power of Revelations 9, 11, I mean, the revelations of uh, the power of Revelations 11 is power that is being given to the body of Christ. So let us put that in one hand. And that power is there to mitigate the opposition of Satan because Satan is going to is operating today with power, the power that was given to him. And that is the reason why you find that a lot of what is there that is expediting and establishing the kingdom of the Antichrist today are things that if you were told 20 years ago would happen in the world, you would say, no, it's not possible. It is not possible for the world to allow this, for the society to accommodate that, for us to actually have these movies online available where kids can watch them. You know, it is, it is totally preposterous. You wouldn't have believed that there was going to be a TV show that is allowed to stream where you have two men of the same sex, unmarried, making love to one another in a church building and shaking up the walls to the point wherein the cross that was on the wall fell to the ground. If somebody had told you that we will get to the place in our society wherein that is okay, you would have said it is not possible. But the reason why it's things like that are happening is because the enemy has been empowered to perpetrate his deception, fulfilling the things that have been prophesied. But then if such ridiculous things are going on, if such profanity is going on, if such abomination of desolation is going on, then you can also expect that this revival is inevitable and it's going to be a revival that is present with power, wherein the ones who stand boldly as witnesses will stand in the power of the Holy Spirit, not hiding away in some building and just having a celebration amongst themselves, but going out there in the demonstration of power haven't been adequately prepared the right way. The right way for preparation is to prepare the way the early church prepared, is to do the things that they did. God said to me, if you do what they did, you will do what they did. If we prepare the way they prepared, we will experience the power the way they experienced the power. So let me make a quick summary here, just in case I lost you somewhere along the line. Again, it's one of those messages that you're just going to have to listen to again. All right, because there are so many things being said here. But in summary, the world started by being underwater and it ended by being underwater. 
When the world started up again, started up again in the time of Noah, it was started under the, the seal of the Holy Spirit, which was the seal of the promise of the covenant that was made. It was called the sign of the promise. And the Holy Spirit is also that sign. He's also that seal of the promise. When God delivered the promise to bring a, a, a savior into the world, as soon as that savior was presented at baptism by John, the Holy Spirit came and descended upon him and God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So you saw that the world started again with a mark and a seal of the Holy Spirit that was very evident. And that is the same way that it was evident in the time of Jesus and the same way also that it will be evident in our time. This world will not end until the full colors of the power of the Holy Spirit in, uh, are being put on display on the earth for all to see. And someone says, yeah, but we know that already. That's why we've been anticipating revival and we're excited that we're going to see that revival. Yes, I know. But then we also need to know beyond the what, but we are, in terms of the demonstration of power, we also need to know exactly where it's going to happen. Where is this revival going to happen? At what stage is the revival going to be, at, you know, where the revival will be at each stage? That's what we need to know. And that's what I want to share with us today. And all of what I've said as a foundation allows me, by the grace of God, within just about two or three minutes, to show you exactly what was really going on here in the book of Acts. When you come with me to the book of Acts chapter 2, this is what the Bible says that, as the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were together in one accord, in one accord and in one place, and suddenly there descended from heaven a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then, you know, appearing upon their heads were divided tongues as of fire, and it came upon each and every one of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. So we saw that the room that they were in was filled with the power. Now, when that power came, what happened was they began to speak boldly the word of God and 3000 people gave their life to Christ in one day because Peter, the one who was shying away from a little girl just a couple of weeks prior, was now being able to speak boldly in an open space and many people were added to the church. Have we not experienced such in our days? where many people have come into the church. Many thousands, even in some meetings, have come into the church. Thank God for that. Thank God that we have experienced that. And the disciples continued about their business, continued to glorify God through the following things. And these things are the ones that I believe we need to look out for. Let's go to verse 42 of the same Acts chapter 2. Verse 42 of Acts chapter 2 says, and they continued. Now, let's even begin from verse 40. Verse 40 says, And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Okay? Then those who gladly received his words were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then the fear of them came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Folks, what we see here, the Bible says they continued steadfastly in the doctrine of the apostles. Let me show you the details of what they were doing. 
while they continued together. Let's run quickly to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, we're going to read from verse 42 also. Of Acts chapter 5, verse 42. And it says, And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They were doing this in every house. Preaching Jesus as the Christ. They weren't just doing it in temples, but they were doing it in every house. But before they could even go back into the temples, while the temples were shut to them in Acts chapter 4, and because of time today, I'm not going to read it, but you can go read it on your own. Acts chapter 2, they enjoyed such fellowship. Everything was happy and dandy. People were coming to know the Lord. They were having a great time of celebration. Societally, they were accepted. People were so delighted. The entire society was welcoming and receiving of them, and it was okay for them to do whatever they, they wanted to do. Just as the church has been experiencing in the last century, wherein it's almost okay anywhere we go, in most places, in most countries, of course, there are still a pocket of countries here and there, wherein the gospel has, is being stifled by Christians, being prevented. But in, in more places than not, people are steadfastly fellowshipping together in one accord from house to house, and no one is stopping us. We're going to temples, and no one is stopping us, and that is exactly what these people experienced. So we read verse 42 of Acts chapter 5 and Acts chapter 2, the same verse 42. But let's quickly read verse 47 of Acts chapter 2. And the Bible says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to his church daily those who have been saved. That is Acts chapter 2 verse 42. I mean 47. But I think what I wanted to read was chapter 5. Let's go, let's go. Okay, I read chapter 5, verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Remember on Sunday, I shared with us the ministry of remembrance. That even though you know these people already know the truth, you need to continue to preach and to remind them of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the point here is this. A time came wherein they were no longer able to do that openly. Acts chapter 4, the Bible says that the authority of the day came against the the body of Christ, and forbade them from using the name of Jesus. They stopped them from using the name of Jesus. And that is already beginning to happen in the world today. You read that we've just said that by praising God, they will come together and sing together and praise God. They saw the manifest presence of God. But we now have countries who have now said it is not okay for believers to sing because when they sing, it spreads the coronavirus. But you can still sing in your home, even though you may not be able to sing in the temple. Let me tell you something, folks. It is not the place of the church to try to expend all of its energy in fighting these recommendations that have been made, in fighting these government ordinances, in fighting all of what is going on. We are meant to take those as signs to withdraw into our homes. And from there, re 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 strategize, 
re, get revitalized so that when we come out again, the fear of us will come upon them. The Bible is very serious about this thing called the fear of us coming upon them so that they're not bothering us, but allowing us to do the work. It talks about it in Revelations chapter 11, how these witnesses were so empowered that they cast plagues upon their enemies. And when their words come out, it's like fire. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we read and going into verse 43, we saw that the fear of them came upon them. In Acts chapter 5, we also saw when the Bible says that after the Holy Spirit had filled the room where they were in, 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 in the later part of chapter 4, the fear of them in verse 5, in chapter 5, came upon the people that nobody dared to come near where they were. So the way that we are going to continue to do the work of witnessing without being inhibited is by, first of all, making the most of the gatherings that we have in our homes, making the most of the family unit that you have. Whatever two or three of you are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Your focus should not be in fighting to have gatherings of thousands of people. When that time, when we had that opportunity, we made the most of it, praise God. And when that time comes again, because it will come, we will also make the most of it. But the time that we're in right now is wherein we should shift our focus back into the homes to experience the revival like the early church experienced revivals. First, in their homes, in the rooms where they were in, we never saw at the beginning that the Holy Spirit fell upon the church in a public place. We never saw that the Holy Spirit fell upon the church while they were at a coliseum. We never saw that the Holy Spirit fell upon the church while they were singing in, 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 in the parking lot somewhere. What we saw at the beginning was they were in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then when the opposition of the world came even more intense, which means the world was exerting more power and the Holy Spirit also responded with more power. And that is why in the world today, the more power the enemy has been given with which to deceive is the more power that we can expect to move in as the witnesses. And we will move in that power, not just to get the attention of the unsaved, but to also shut down the enemy and take back territories. And the way this is going to happen is the way that it happened there. The Holy Spirit came into the homes where they were in. He came into the houses where they were in. And the Holy Spirit will yet again come into our homes and come into our houses. Let us not expend our energies in trying to fight the order of the day. Let us expend our energies in going back into our homes so that we become the order of the day. Because it is by the authority of the Holy Spirit and by the power that is given to us as witnesses that we will stand and be the order of the day. It is not by writing petitions. It is not by collecting signatures, but it is by making the most of what we have. Thank God nobody says yet. I know that in California now it's being said that churches cannot sing, but nobody has said even in any one of those places that you cannot sing in your home. So why don't you take that which you have right now and fight your battle wisely. Let us choose our battles in accordance with the plan and the blueprint that's been given to us. Revival is coming, but it will begin in the homes. The altars of our families have to be revived. We need to learn once again how to teach our children in the admonition of the things of God. We need to begin to pray at home so that our children can learn how to pray. Many preachers, many teachers have restricted their ministries only to the pulpit, but blessed be God for this lockdown. Blessed be God for the season that we're in, because right now, 
we all get to preach from our homes. We all get to teach from our living rooms and from our basements. And our children, whether they're paying attention or not, are hearing the voice of God. Many musicians and worship leaders are leading worship now in their living room and in their sitting rooms and on their porches. Revival is coming and it's coming through the house system. It's coming through homes. And when we have ignited that fire in our homes, then we will stand up in the public squares with the demonstration of power, wherein we're not standing and debating theology with people, but we're standing and showing them a demonstration of the power. This is the reason why we have been raised and we stay faithful by the grace of God to this calling and this election to awake others or to call others to awake unto righteousness, to restore the altars in our homes, to pray in our homes, to sing in our homes, to teach in our homes the Lord Jesus Christ, so that when it is all said and done, we can then say that we are ready to give what we have. If we haven't had revival in our homes, we cannot give revival to the world because what we do not have, we cannot give. Paul and Peter and John were able to say at the guy at the, at the gate called beautiful, rise up and walk because they had it. They said, what we have, we give. And so folks, let us take this moment to revive the altars in our home. If you have not been praying with your wife and your children, why don't you begin to do that now? If you live alone, I'm sure there is somebody that you know that is close to you who's not, whose presence in your home is not going to compromise your well-being. Someone who would come and together, both of you will Let's not kid ourselves. You're already watching movies together because even you who live alone, you don't like watching TV alone. You don't like playing games alone. So you already know two or three people who are happy to come into your home. Why don't you come and not just play games, but come and engage the presence of the Almighty God. For again, wherever two or three of us are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of us. Now I'm going to take two minutes just to bring everything to a close. Now we know that the strategy of heaven is to end a thing the way it begins. And if the church began by people experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, filling the rooms where they're at in their homes, then we need to expect that to be the kind of revival that ignites this final move of God upon the face of the earth. Let your house be that tabernacle. Let your home be that platform. Let your living room, your, your the rug in your living room, the benches on your pouch, let them be the new pulpit from whence, from whence you are preaching and teaching the word of God. Let me say this in closing. In closing, I would love one of these days to teach us about a man in the Bible that is called Obed-Edom. And so I'm giving you a heads up. Go and read about the guy called Obed-Edom. His first name is Obed, O-B-E-D, which means to serve or which means serving. And his last name is Edom. Edom means uh, red, is, is a derivative of the name Adam, which means the serving man. And so a lot of us, we have grown up in churches where we don't serve, we just get served. Other people sing and we just watch. Other people preach and we just watch. But now when we start meeting in our homes, we are the ones who get to serve our children. And the Bible says that when the Ark of the Covenant, which was a representation of the presence of God, was taken to the house of Obed-Edom, the men prospered and so did the people of God. And so when you and I take it seriously, the responsibility that we have to ignite once again the presence of God in our homes, not only would we prosper, but our land is going to prosper. And this revival is going to break out in the order that it should, such that we are not quivering under any administration or we're not, we're not looking to any government. We're not looking to any corporation. We're not looking to any groups of people or any system in the world for salvation because some will seek salvation where there is none. But 
but we will look to the Almighty Himself through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And how do we do that? We do that by observing very closely the way the Holy Spirit has moved in the past and let Him once again move through you in the same way. It's time to restore the altar, that family altar, even in your home. That is the revival to anticipate. That is the revival to pray for. Praying for any other kind of revival is praying amiss. Anticipating any other kind of revival is falling for the deception of the enemy. Let us see that first of all. Let that Holy Spirit come upon you in your home, upon your children, and upon your household. And when that has happened, I tell you what, what, we will see that glorious change in this world that will usher in the Messiah. And the beginning of the 1,000 year reign of the administration of peace by the Prince of Peace himself. Anything else that anybody offers is nothing but sinking sand. Alrighty, once again, thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening. It is my desire that this fire for revival, this passion for the kingdom will be ignited in as many hearts as get to watch this broadcast in the mighty name of Jesus. Until the next time. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it has been a blessing to you. For more information, visit us at www.communion.house and follow us on all social media platforms at Communion House. Again, that's www.communion.house and all social media platforms at Communion House. Thank you and God bless.